sometimes there's just kind of the mentality, probably not among a lot of our listeners, but uh, just guessing the kind of stuff we talk about and the people would be interested. Um, they wouldn't just have the mentality like, okay, good. Um, Johnny got his fire insurance ticket and yeah. uh, his policy, and so we're good. Um, but maybe that's the case. And hey, we're, if so, um, glad that you're listening. But we want to look at that to te- how to how to make disciples and teach that new disciple how to walk with the Lord. Here we go. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Yeah. Talk about them when you see Hello. Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. All right, Tony, are you... uh back and refreshed with your fancy coffee i am it's a pour over this time rather than a french press so which takes a little bit more time but uh is uh even more delicious very good yeah i haven't had uh haven't had one of those in a while um but they are good so are you using is that mug from the gospel project i believe so yeah it's gospel project mug i don't know when i got it i probably got it like almost 10 years ago yeah, I got one of those in the mail, and it, it broke. But uh, So today's episode is not brought to you by the folks at the Gospel Project, but they do make good stuff. So that They do, yeah, and it's got a good insulation. Uh, it's got like a, um, what's it called, the thing the that... cork? Yeah, it's got a cork thing on the bottom, so it doesn't leave a stain. Yeah, I, I miss having that mug. <laughs> it's great. I think one of my kids uh, knocked it off the desk or something, and it broke. So anyway, it is no more. Uh, but speaking of kids, uh, my wife and I, you know this, uh, but we found out recently that uh, the Lord had blessed us with another one. And so, Lord willing, in the coming months, we'll experience probably you know, the, the first steps, hopefully the, the first steps of our child. I remember one of our kids was very determined to do it um, in uh, the, the ability that uh, this child alone possessed and, and not be aided. And so we tried to help and this kind of thing. And then we left the child with some friends to go out of the uh, town for the weekend. And they said we'd hardly, you know, left their house. And then our kid starts, you know, walking across the living room. That's first steps. Like, go well. figure. <laughs> but, uh, but speaking, uh, you know, of the first steps, um, we want to look today at taking the spiritual first steps because as you know, I've got another one on the way. I've also been dealing with this in my own family uh, with a child professing faith and trying to teach this child to walk with the Lord. And that's something that I think a lot of parents, uh, they're faced with that. And I think they want to do that. Well, sometimes uh, it's been done for them. Well, they've been helped along other times, not so much. And sometimes there's just kind of the mentality, probably not among a lot of our listeners, but uh, just guessing the kind of stuff we talk about and the people would be interested. Um, they wouldn't just have the mentality like, okay, good. Um, Johnny got his fire insurance ticket and yeah. uh, his policy, and so we're good. Um, but maybe that's the case. And hey, we're, if so, um, 
glad that you're listening. But we want to look at that to te- how to how to make disciples and teach that new disciple how to walk with the Lord. So, um, you know, you were in high school when you became a Christian. Did you have someone who was walking with you after your conversion? Um, was it was that a helpful thing? And is it still affecting you now? What was that like? Yeah. So it's a good question. I had a little a bit from some people in the youth ministry. So I had, um, you know, the youth pastor uh, would connect with me some, and uh, the there was uh, some parents, but not really anything for, that that was in detail or that formal of somebody walking with me in this way. More that you know, uh, I, I do think uh, that kind of giving me the guidelines. I mean, there was some element of mentorship, but not not as much really. This is what you do. But I think I was blessed because I was able to put in practice some things that were being that I was being asked to do at my Christian school. So I was started reading the Bible and I could pick up where it was because it was being assigned. And whereas I, in the past, I might've just kind of lied about <laughs> reading the Bible mm. before Christ. Uh, so that was kind of easier in ways, uh, as well as even, I mean, there was some degree of teaching on prayer, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I carry anything of what they taught directly with me, uh, necessarily now, but, you know, I'm thankful that there were some people that tried to help and uh, some people had an influence on kind of the first steps of my Christianity. How about you, Ben? I know you're younger, but uh, the I don't know if you had like a, uh, you know, that a, a deep scholar that was teaching you Christian metaphysics at that age or anything. No metaphysics. Yeah, we were just, we started doing Greek, Greek uh, verb paradigms. Uh, <laughs> no, I... I didn't have like you know formal investment at that age. I mean, I think that um, that I was around seven years old, or that I was seven uh, when the Lord saved me. And you know, I mean, my parents prayed for me, prayed with me, those kinds of things. Um, by the time I hit, it was a number of years before I had maybe what you'd call like more direct mentorship or um, that intentional okay i'm going to teach you these things and it wasn't like we signed a contract but there was a little bit more of a form formality to it hey, we're going to read this book let's talk about it um and, and that was uh, helpful for me but it wasn't uh until i mean i guess a good 10 11 years later um that some of that was taking place and so at least in a more formal sense um, but do we have to have a formal approach to discipling new converts? Yeah, I, I think it can be helpful uh, so that we don't assume anything in ways. You know, I know for myself, I like to make everything a little more formal than maybe some people would. And I think for me, it's helpful because if I don't, that, you know, I'll just overlook things. Uh, mm. But I wouldn't say we must. I especially wouldn't say we must when there's not a Bible verse that says, other than we must fold them into the life of the faith. You know, we must fold them into the local church. We must fold them into the regular means of ordinary means of grace, you know, things like prayer and Bible reading and stuff like that. But beyond that, I'm not sure that I would, even even specifically as, as the details of Bible reading, I'm not sure that I would say we need to have a formal approach. But what about you, Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I like you would be hesitant to make some kind of pronouncement because yeah, scripture doesn't lay it out for us. And, and there's been a number of churches and ministries that have come up with these different uh, programs or paradigms for us to use to try to help people along. And they can be very, very useful. But 
it, it's not like Jesus said, okay, Peter, now I want you to write this down. It's going to be this three-year program. The first year you're going to cover this, second year this, and they have to be with a mentor. And um, you know, there's nothing like that. Uh, like so much of the Christian life, there is a lot of wisdom required. So, okay, what's helpful for this person in their situation and um, all of that kind of thing. So formality can be good, but um, it doesn't it's not a necessity. Um, so, I mean, after a young person professes faith in Christ, what kind of steps should the parents start taking, you think? Yeah, so I'd say that a ba- the one thing that uh, parents should take, I think, would be to hope it's true, but be cautious with final declarations. And I think that's going to be true for the church as well as the parents. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, we should encourage, we should even lift things up, but but I, I'm not even sure that it's the place of a parent to be the one that makes that kind of declaration. I think we have a way of, in America, the kind of individualistic thing, that when somebody that we love professes faith, we, we want to put our personal stamp. But I think that Jesus gave that seal, that, uh, that ability to the local church to kind of formally affirm something in faith. I, I think I would talk to the spiritual leaders at your church that might interact with them. I think that could be really wise because they might want to interact with them somewhat differently and, and help them navigate things. I would encourage them to establish spiritual disciplines uh, that uh, and, 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 and disciple-making efforts. So, you know, encourage them to establish a routine on their own, a routine that you know, that you're helping and encouraging them to hold themselves accountable to. Not as a, you need to do this, Johnny, but as a, this is for your good, this is how you walk with the Lord pattern. Because uh, I think this is where these kinds of disciplines of the Christian life, I think, are really key, especially as faith begins to develop on our own. Yeah, that's uh, since my child has professed faith, that's been on my heart and mind thinking, okay, how do I teach her how to walk with yeah. the Lord, um, that it's not just, okay, good, you have your ticket, you're good, but this begins something new for you. And last night we were talking about that, and I said, you know, it's not like God just zaps us to grow, to make us like Jesus. So, well, Wouldn't in a way nice? he does zap us, but he zaps us as we're on the pathways that he's yeah. given us to grow, like you're talking about spiritual disciplines, um, and, and like the life of the local church, and o- as we obey him, and as we serve others, as we talk to others about him, um, whether it's evangelism or we're just talking about the things of the Lord, those are the pathways that that he does zap us. Um, and so it's not as we're drooling on TikTok or um, what you know, whatever the app du jour is. I just I love to make fun of TikTok, but <laughs> what are we gonna do if it ever gets banned? I, there's gonna be a lot of folks in trouble, man. Um, well, like, what are we gonna talk about on our podcast? I mean, that's <laughs> true. That's true. I mean, our our fodder will uh, be, cannon fodder will be gone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that those kinds of things are are what we want to urge them towards. And like I said, it's for your good. Um, well, how will that affect the, the parents have a kid that makes a profession of faith? How will it affect their parenting, their discipline, and their disciple-making efforts towards their child? Because, I mean, that's, you know, we talk a lot about that, that we're trying to make disciples in our home, and we're teaching them to obey the things the Lord has commanded. How does that affect that that parent-child relationship um, 
and especially if we do – they're showing signs that, yes, this is not just a, some words they've said, but that their life is bearing the, the fruit of repentance and faith yeah. and love. So I, I want to first note with that we should not parent them, parent them as if they are supposed to be overnight spiritual giants or <laughs> we expect them to be. You know, that mm-hmm. uh, the because I think that can be a great error in this. Uh, I, I think and I think we need to understand that as we navigate parenting those who even are Christians. You know, none of us uh, are as much spiritual giants maybe as we even should be. Uh, but I, I think parents do begin to try to establish them as first and foremost spiritual siblings because ultimately I think when your child becomes a Christian eventually we transition over time and not not necessarily when they're six as directly into they you know they're our first and foremost our spiritual siblings and I think we give them hope uh, for what the spirit will do in their lives and I, and I think that is going to be really key I think to show them that yeah I mean, they're going to be struggling they're going to fall a lot as new Christians and I think to give them hope to show that the spirit will take you places uh, and work in you beyond what you expect even so and I think we will bring their actions calmly to discussions of inconsistency with professions when they when they sin so I think discipline might look a little different I think discipline might not be well you know you know better what you're doing in any way but it, it might be more of, of intentional discussions of you know that this is something that that is bad for you that that's toxic for you as you walk with the lord and that's holding you back and, and i think we can have those conversations even as we might use uh discipline practices that we keep in the home what do you think ben uh i like what you said yeah that we sh- it's unwise and just going to be discouraging to the child if we expect them to suddenly be glorified like in the you know Romans 8 sense um that we are you know we stand before the throne complete kind of thing that's just not how it works when we stop and take a, a reflection on our own spiritual life and growth we go uh, yeah okay I did have some setbacks uh-huh. there and, well I had some setbacks today and so yeah. just and, and we have more more years of walking with the Lord um, as a parent, likely, I mean, we may have some somebody that's a newer convert listening, but the the patterns of sin and that kind of thing are entrenched in their life, whatever their sins may be. Though it's less so for someone who's done it, you know, well into adulthood. And so, taking um, just having a patient approach, slow and steady, and, and that the Lord is patient with them. Um, but, you know, we want to encourage them as we see signs of growth and commend them, even as there's other things that we would point out. And like you said, there's more intentional discussions and pointing out those inconsistencies. I think, you know, we have some other grounds to appeal to now. I mean, before, this is the standard of our home or that this is what God calls us yeah. to. Uh, but if they have the spirit in them and they have a desire to obey I think that can kind of change the dynamics of some of the conversations you have. If the spirit really is in them, there is like, okay, yeah, I do. I know this was inconsistent and I do want to please the Lord and maybe not quite sure on how I'm supposed to do this. I need some help here. But uh, it just opens up, I think, new avenues for you to discuss, new resources to to bring uh, into that relationship. Um, So what – after a young person um, professes faith in Christ, what kind of steps do you think that the church, that, that person's local church, should take? Yeah, we talked or about— Or is it their business? Yeah, <laughs> I think it has the church's business a great deal, even though we tend not to think as much. Uh, 
I, I definitely we've talked about this some in the other podcasts, but I mean I, I think we the the clear thing is we eventually do baptize them. I, I think we baptize them uh, in as a church, not in a private retreat necessarily, uh, or at all. We baptize them when they have shown uh, demonstrable and costly fruit. And when a church does that, it's going to be, uh, you know, a church by church decision. So sometimes a church might, for a child that professes faith, they might choose that it's wise to probably wait until they're a teenager because it's hard to see demonstrable fruit and, you know, and costs and kind of counting the costs until then. That's kind of more my persuasion. But I think whatever point you reach where you feel that as a church, you can grant that kind of affirmation and where you feel like it's appropriate and, and right to refer to them as Christians. I think that's, you need to bat, you have to baptize them then. Um, and I think further church leaders should dedicate themselves to praying for new professors. I think new professors of faith will need it. So I think all, I think all the elders and all the pastors should be, which are synonymous, by the way, should be praying together for those who are new believers. Uh, I, I would avoid much formal with this uh, beyond baptism uh, when you see the need to it. Uh, because I think that if you do anything formal, especially before you do baptism, I think what you're often going to do is, is give assurance in a way that God did not design to be given assurance. But, you know, perhaps sometimes a church giving, a, you know, maybe a Bible reading plan or, you know, even a Christian resource as they profess Christ. Uh, but uh, that... Uh, and, you know, I think maybe even in some situations, you know, if they're next generation ministry, if they're a youth ministry or older kids ministry, if there's an opportunity, maybe allow them to, you know, kind of share what's going on with their life with their peers uh, that in, in the context of like a youth group or something like that, that could be a wise idea. There are a lot of, I think, helpful approaches to this. What do you think, though, Ben? There's a lot of good stuff there. But yeah, it is a lot of the church's concern because that's the place God has given us, you know, where disciples are formed, certainly in the home, but that's not the only context. That's not the only sphere of influence. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, baptism is something that's given to the church. Um, as is the Lord's supper. It's something that in under normal circumstances, yeah, I get, you can point to things in acts, um, where there's some irregularities or, you know, but like the the Ethiopian eunuch. But yeah. I, I kind of when I hear that one, it's like, well, when's the last time you were teleported uh, someplace uh-huh. to go evangelize somebody, you know, <laughs> or teleported out of a place? Um, so, however that worked with Philip, but um, so yeah, it, it the church should be involved in that. Yeah, certainly prayer. I mean, that that's one of the means. It's not glamorous, but. That's one of the means that God has given us to grow, is that we pray for ourselves and other people pray for us. Yeah. And and there's there's more to it than simply that, but that's part of the, the recipe. And you look at the ways that Paul prayed for the churches, uh, and he's constantly praying for these churches with this concern that they would grow in love, they would understand God's will in the sense of what he has revealed, um, that they would have wisdom – they would know him, you know, these kinds of things, know the power that's at work within them. And so those are the kinds of things um, that, the, yeah, the pastors of the church should pray. You could encourage others that might be uh, ministering to that 
that child um, in um, an age-graded context or just has a relationship with them, whatever the case may be, uh, and help the parents to, to pray those things as well, um, not just pray mm-hmm. that they would grow up and be strong and you know, have a good day and have a good life and get a good job. And uh, those are not bad things, but we need to cast our gaze higher than that, kind of help the parents to see that we need to to set higher goals than that for them, that the, the goals that they have for them um, – they should look different in some ways than their lost neighbors. If they don't, then we got to ask what's wrong, and um, and then try to help them. Like that, maybe what is their, um, I guess, knowledge and and comfort level with trying to help someone else become like Christ, and do they need some help in that? Uh, and so it's a as much an investment in the parents as it is also the child. Um, so. We mentioned this earlier about trying to instill spiritual disciplines, uh, you know, these pathways where God zaps us. Um, should parents require a, a child that professes faith to read scripture? Like, you got to have a, you know, a quiet time so many times a week or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I think that uh, with that answer, the first thing I thought was I think that it could be wise to require an unbelieving child too, depending on their age as well. Uh, and I think that you have the right to do that. Uh, I, I think you can make it happen through family worship as well. So, but no, I, I think it could be wise. It depends on their age. And I think it's, but you know, when they're older, I think allow them to set their own patterns, but, but hold them to count and question them about it. And even, you know, probe a little bit because you love them. Uh, but, but I think they're younger. I, I think it could be wise to require overtly they do that. And I think if they, you know, are they, if they are in the faith, you know, they can work with that new desire for the Lord and they can have more focused Bible readings perhaps than they had before. Uh, Bible reading on establishing in the faith. So I think maybe reading, actually even with them, you can read Ephesians together, for example, uh, in this season. That, that might be a really wise thing to do in that time. So why did you pick Ephesians? I think Ephesians has so much, I think, that establishes, I mean, you look at Ephesians, I think, as words for uh, fighting uh, spiritual battles. It has words for putting on the arm, that helpful things and putting on the armor of God. I think it's just, it's such a encouraging and helpful thing to kind of establish a young faith to me. There's a lot about the church, too. I mean, you've got individual Christian living, but also um, our connection to the church and to one another. So, yeah, Ephesians is a great book. Um, I mean, it's it's not like I would say, well, you know, I know Luther didn't really like James. He wanted to whip little Jimmy and put him in the fire or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Sometimes, at least, yeah. I, uh, I won't, won't say that. Ephesians is, has been among my favorites. Um, yeah, I think that it could be okay to say, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, in, in the family worship thing. And now, we have not done this so much in our family, though I would like to start doing it. Um, but t- take turns. Most of the people in our family can read. There's one who's who's working on it. There's still, you know, um, low-level reading. And so there would be a lot of places in Scripture that would be ch- – well, yeah, it just be, would be challenging. We're not kind of reading sight words. Um, so – <clears throat> that can be one context, but um, I think that it, it can be a, a helpful thing. Um, how can we, as parents, encourage and instill, or maybe even incentivize, habits of scripture intake? Yeah. So 
you know, I, I think that uh, uh, one one thing that perhaps could be wise would be giving them some kind of challenge. Uh, you know, I know especially growing kids sometimes like to have some kind of, you know, task. Uh, I mean, my kids love that. So uh, actually, our kids are right now they're doing they're trying to read the Gospel of John because uh, the grandmother uh, that my wife's mom gave them some uh, like a Christian magazine and and they uh, and they can that and it challenged them to read the Gospel of John by a certain time. And so maybe something like that could be wise. Uh, I'm not sure if every child is as competitive as my children are. It's probably a shock that I have competitive children, right? Uh, but uh, I think we can encourage it by doing it ourselves, though, and and really showing what that Bible time uh, that it really is. And I think that's something that I've often, you know, I uh, I've often failed at. But I think my kids will often know that I've started to know that Daddy's uh, that this is Daddy. He's on the being on the elliptical and reading the Bible time, and and I think that's something that's helpful to them and encouraging them to kind of take up that mantle themselves. Um, and I think also then we can remind them the Bible might count uh, on some uh, and on something like summer reading list. I think that can be very little, but you know it's summertime, and a lot of our kids are trying to get summer reading list done, and and help them to see that they can utilize that for their faith uh, rather than be busy down and not able to read in the word so mm-hmm. right, then, i know t- go ahead oh, go ahead i was just going to say lastly i think perhaps you can agree that you'll have a chat with them maybe even a special uh, breakfast to chat about the book the part of the bible they're reading after they finish reading something yeah i think that that incentivizing with the time uh alone together i think that's great um at a accelerated reader also has um, that, that program. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. So you can read books of the Bible um, and, and take tests on that too. So that could be another way. Uh, and I, I think it is okay to, to to dangle that carrot for them to, to see that this is for your good. And it's not just yeah. true and sort of a drudgery, but like, yeah, this is um, – these are the paths of life. And I, I mean if we're being honest – there's times when we don't want to get in the Word, and there's times when we don't want to pray, um, but we we are we don't want to go to church or to listen to the sermon or um, study for something. Um, but we we press through because we know it's good for us. We, we may not feel like eating the broccoli. We instead want the French fries, and we go, oh, I need the broccoli. Um, but it pays off long term, and so. I think doing that, it's just, I, I really like the thing with, hey, let's kind of, we'll get together. Or uh, I know someone who said, you know, he tells his kids, I will pay you to memorize the Bible. And he's like, you know, I know that their motive is often that, but they are getting it in them. And so I, I will reward them with that. And that's sort of the, the thing that I'm dangling out in front of them. Um, and so this, this same dad uh, also, I think it's on Monday mornings, he gets up early with his son, and he, he said he doesn't think his son is a believer yet, um, but he, his son really wants to spend time with him. And so his son is happy to get up and you know be in the Bible with him mm-hmm. and stuff. And so just kind of make taking advantage of that connection and, and praying that God will make it effective in his life. Um, so should parents – and we've talked about this kind of in a more extended way. Uh, treatment on a whole episode, but should parents enlist the help of another uh, in this process of of making a disciple? Yeah, I would say in almost all cases that would be yes. 
Uh, and, and I think that should probably include the elders of the church, uh, that I, cause I, I think the elders are going to be held responsible to the Lord for, for even your child who's professes faith. And so to be able to best spiritually help lead them and shepherd them, I think that, yeah, they, they should be enlisted in help. Uh, I think depending on their age set age, perhaps setting up a healthy mentor situation, and we have a whole podcast episode on that if you're curious, could be a very wise thing. Uh, you know, I, I think perhaps even involving the making aware of the situation different like youth leaders or children's leaders so that they can really be blessing and, and helping and even making uh, parents aware of what's going on in other capacities and whether or not this profession of faith is something that is impacting them when they're not trying to make mom and dad happy. What word do you have on that? Well, I like that bringing the pastors in because there is that they give uh, a word of uh, you know the responsibility, um, the accountability before the Lord, and it's just there is wisdom and and strength in numbers. In that episode, we talked about that how as we fold our kids into the life of the church, other the, the kids can see other people who are walking with the Lord, and they go, okay, it's not just mom and dad, and there's there's things that like it or not, it's just reality. There's sometimes that when parents say it, it can fall on deaf ears. Yeah. And when someone else says it, it's like, oh, and, and you see this in other contexts. Like, I mean, I've, I've heard pastors joke about, um, you know, they've been saying something to their congregation for some, some period of time. And then they have a guest preacher come and speak and says basically the same thing. And people, Wow. Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes it just takes a fresh voice. Um, and, and that's, you know, that is. You should have been saying us. that, preacher. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was. Um, yeah. Like, uh, you're right. You're right. Thank you. Um, but I think that just, you know, it, it condemns us all. Uh, in our pride and, and whatever yeah. else that goes into that, but uh, it, it can be a big blessing. And, and there's other people that God has gifted in your life and your child's life that they can, he wants to pour his grace and bring his presence into their life through those people. And so um, we should not try to go turn off the valve of God's grace and just say, well, I just, we just handle it here. And, you know, um, so what can parents and, and the local church do to push their kids towards loving service towards others because you know we, we as much as we want them to be in god's word we want them to pray these kinds of things these spiritual disciplines we want them to gather with the church we also don't want them to think that it's just about here come and we'll we'll organize something for you and uh you do it and or, or it's just this kind of privatized version of the christian life um so how do we how do we push them out towards others like that yeah i think we show them that we are ultimately saved so that we might serve. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, you know, we, we can't just be purely revivalistic where, where we get the kids, we celebrate our kids are, uh, are saved and then we kind of leave them be. But we are saved for a purpose and the purpose is so that we can glorify God as we are created to do. And I think we need to establish that in, in all those who come to Christ, including children. Uh, I think if we can find avenues also then in light of that for even young professing believers to serve at church, uh, that I think that could be wise. Uh, specifically, it could be wise if non-members can serve. You know, I know 
There, are, I have some questions whether non-members should serve in many capacities, and uh, the you know, and and how we navigate that. Uh, and obviously, most of the cases, these children, especially if they're not baptized or not members, but if a church does allow that, I think that can be wise. Uh, I think in both capacities, uh, we can pray with them, not just for them, but with them, to, to pray that God would give wisdom to us and who they might be able to serve and and how they might. Be be able to serve to people. And I think that can be a more regular part of a prayer time with this child. Um, I like that stuff. Yeah. I mean, we, sooner we can push them towards that, to, towards loving and serving people at church, in the community, but in, and in the home. Hey, you know, you've got a younger sibling, play a game with them that you know they like. Yeah. Um, those are ways to deny yourself. Um, help an elderly neighbor it's different things like that and yeah like you said you don't want to make it too like i I can't remember the words you use pietistic or something um you know because evangelicalism is this combination of pietism and this you know we we have to cultivate uh, the the health of our own spiritual soul our our own you know spiritual health Uh, but that's not all it's not just all inward and this kind of thing It, it does work its way out into how we treat one another. And so, I mean, John said we, we can't say that we love God if uh, – the, the God that we can't see if we don't love the, the brothers and sisters that we can see or if we hate them, yeah. uh, then that that betrays us. Um, so what can parents and churches do to push their kids uh, towards personal word ministry with others, whether that's evangelism or just encouraging others, um, trying to bring God's word into their lives, uh, and this is this is an extension of the last one of, of loving service, but um, it's a little more specific, I guess, because we can have kids go, "Hey, we're going to pick up trash here in this room after this this thing. Uh, we're going to clean up the chairs." Um, but that's and that can be a necessary and helpful thing. But um, as we bring the word into people's lives, that that's how uh, growth happens in them. And so, uh, what would you say to that? Yeah, I would say that uh, a way that they, you can encourage kids to do that is, is have kids help you design that uh, a, a big sign that you can put outside of a baseball game that says that uh, you that God's going to burn you in hell or something <laughs> like that. So, You're kidding. all going to be matchsticks. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe a way towards this is I, I think we can ourselves model friendships that open the Bible. Because I think that's going to be hard for kids to embrace if we don't demonstrate it. Because I think, to me, that's a lot of what you're talking about. I I think these are friendships that involve the Bible. I mean, that literally opened the Bible. I might cite the Bible off the top of their head. Uh, and, and I think we can suggest that for them. We can suggest that they build and encourage that they build the kind of friendships where the Bible can be open and tell them even with the friendships that aren't there to try to work towards that. Because really, ultimately, I think that, uh, you know, that Bible and theology-minded friendships are evangelistic friendships and are, you know, are that spiritual growth friendships. But, and I think also we can make the Bible something that is really part of our regular conversations, even with them. And I think as we do that, we're going to help them see word-based ministry as something for ever, everyone. Uh, and I think that it will entrench more into their lives as, as Christians are word-based people. Uh, I, lastly, I think I, 
you know, when you have family worship, and I encourage you as you have a kid that's pursuing the Lord, perhaps as a new Christian, to continue in family worship, but perhaps use that time of Bible reading together to get specific and application. You know, maybe discussing uh, specific situations of life, specifics on how you can encourage someone, how you can share the word of God uh, with another, and maybe even talk, you know, maybe this, do you think that, how do you think this might, uh, this passage we're reading might be a help to little Johnny? How do you think this might gear you towards encouraging them or, or perhaps talking to them about Jesus? So those are some words I had, but I'm assuming you have some better thoughts. Uh, well, I, I really like what you said because uh, it's, it's very practical and, and just seeing that, yeah, Christians are a word-based people. We're, uh, I heard someone say recently that we're people whose mouths are full of the word. And mm. the the folks over at Matthias Media, um, so at Australia, they have an American branch. Uh, they have put out some stuff that I have just found really helpful and clear um, about that, and that they use the term uh, helping someone take a, a step to the right towards Christ. And they have this diagram where the things are moving, history is moving to the right in the direction that we read towards Christ with his people gathered around him in the new heavens and new earth. But right now we're still in darkness, and he brings us into the light through his cross and resurrection uh, and the power of the Spirit. And so then we become learners of Christ and in the way that, that we get people from darkness to light and the way that we get people from light further down towards that, that goal one day is by uh, speaking God's word to them prayerfully dependent on the Spirit, and it's all of us. It's not just Pastor Joe who does this. Um, it's all God's people. And so when we help them think in this terms of not just, okay, man, I got to get this person saved, or I got to you know come up with a super wise uh, word for them, it can just be, how can I help this person take a step to the right towards Jesus? They may be way yeah. deep in the darkness. Okay, but I just introduce myself, and it comes out that I, I tell them I'm a Christian or something. Okay, well, that, well that's a small way of Okay, now they know a Christian, someone who has the word, um, and, and then I'm just kind of thinking and strategizing that way. They have other resources, just just helping me my own thinking to then help others in our church, but to think like, okay, how do you walk into the building? And do you just run in to get your coffee or to get to your seat or wherever your place is? Yeah, yeah I got to go serve. Um, or are you coming in looking for people and thinking ahead of time and praying, okay, Lord, uh, where should I sit today? Should I just sit in my normal spot? or Help me to, to uh, be wise about that in the conversations that I have, be looking for ways to serve these people, not just kind of, hey, how you doing, go on. And like those are things you can teach kids. Um, and so those are things that we just want to see. This is a part of the normal Christian life. That's good. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I have found it personally very helpful. I would commend it uh, to you. Um, and yeah, we're trying to work that out in our, our own church and uh, want to teach that to my child taking these first steps. Um, so, so Tony, I just kind of referred to some stuff, nothing specific. I just kind of the, the ministry that puts it out, but uh, are there any resources that you would recommend for either parents uh, and or the young person themselves who's, who's professed faith? Yeah. Most of what I can think of is for the young person. Uh, and I'm not aware of any of them that are Australian this time. So as they, <laughs> uh, I would say that one book, uh, there's a, a book called The Radical Book. Uh, the, uh, an author named Champ Thornton makes it. And I think that's a great little book that kind of walks through the faith and, and helps kind of establish in the faith 
uh, for a new professing believer. It's kind of uh, um, it's a complex book. It's I encourage readers to look it up because it's a unique book. It's almost like visual theology and how unique it is. Uh, and then I would say uh, Sally Michael, uh, who we've had on the podcast. She has uh, a series of little books called uh, and a series that I think the series is called Making Him Known. And, uh, and I think there are some basically Bible stories, but, but teach interaction. They're meant for like an older kid that professes faith to kind of navigate through. And some of them are even on things like gender and having a right perspective on gender. So I think that can be a really great thing for, uh, for somebody getting their first steps as a Christian. But what would you add to that, Ben? Um, you know, I don't know that I have great, uh, insights. I, I did, uh, I have a book that I've given out to some folks at our church and then even to my own child. Um, and, and it's intended for adults, but it's written at a level I, – I say this. It's, it's not intended specifically for you know young people, but it's written at a level that it, it's – you don't – it's not at some scholarly level. And uh, my daughter has read some of it and said she felt that it was um, – she's in middle school and felt like, yeah, this is not – this is not like top shelf kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I don't know what this is talking about. It's, and it mixes a, a narrative in along with things about – it's called training, um, how to grow as a Christian is by Isaac Adams. Um, okay, yeah. And uh, anyway, it's a pretty short little book, but it mixes a narrative in with these more direct teaching um, about you know intake of the word and involvement of the local church. Um, that that's, Sometimes you find that uh, in new believer materials, there's – kind of oh yeah this passing like yeah you should be involved in church uh-huh. to serve but it doesn't show how central the a local church is to the christian life um it's much more emphasis on the the private uh, personal and again we want to emphasize both like we want people to yeah. to give effort to grow um by themselves but not only that so yeah yeah and um, i think that is key and i and i wish i didn't emphasize it more because you know and i, I that people when people talk first steps, it 100% needs to be in local church. And I think even then, I think whether or not it's true is often shown in connection to the local church. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I think that that's changing, that there's more things coming out there that are uh, bring that in. And it's just, at least in our English-speaking American Western context that there's been a an underplaying of the importance of the local church for a long time. Some of that's from various cultural reasons, um, but here we are, and, and I think there's been some good course correction on that. So, um, yeah, and, and I'm sure there's other things out there. It's not that those are the only good things, uh, but the stuff I was mentioning like from Matthias Media, there's a helpful little book called How to Walk into Church. I mean, it's a booklet. I don't know, it's 50, 60 pages of the pages are small and the print's yeah. kind of big, uh, but it just talks about, you know, why we go to church and uh, how to prepare for that, to pray and to think and these kinds of things. Uh, and they have other helpful resources uh, in that, that, again, they're not all intended specifically for young people, um, but they're in they're written at a level that they're very accessible, even if someone doesn't have advanced education. And so it would fit right in there with someone who's, um, you know, probably older elementary or middle school and certainly into high school um, and just teaching them some ministry skills and and the theology behind it in a very, very accessible way. Um, So I would send you there. That's good. Um, So, well, Tony, this has been helpful for me to think about. Like I said, it's been on my heart and mind, um, you know, just personally, but uh, it's, it's a very practical thing that 
that parents face and uh, the churches face. And so we want to do that well and, and help the next generation to hope in the Lord and, and give them a good foundation from as early as we can, uh, how to walk with the Lord with his people. So uh, thanks for, for giving your insight on it today. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.